I remember one time my fiance and I were um, hiking. We go hiking a ton in New Hampshire in the White Mountains. And so we, I, you know, I'm wearing a hiking backpack. We're climbing up a 5,000 foot mountain. So I'm like really tired. <laughs> um, I remember for about two hours of the hike, I was feeling like just a weird sensation in my chest. Jessica is young and athletic, a full-time yoga instructor in Boston at a major university and private studio. And this hike should be a walk in the park for Jessica, a day of pure pleasure. But for two years, she's been walking the tightrope of a serious condition with the potential for a life-threatening episode out here in the mountains. I don't know, like something was weird in, in that in that collarbone area. And no matter what position I was putting my shoulder in or taking like the pack off that area, it like wouldn't stop. Despite that sensation, Jessica doesn't say anything to her fiance and keeps on hiking. And this was on the way up the mountain. And it's in the right side of my body, which for some reason was more mentally comforting because I know my heart's on the left side of my body. (laughs) As a yoga instructor, her instincts naturally turn toward the power of her own breath. Uh, I was just like, just breathe, Jess. Like, it'll be okay if it does start to get worse or you feel tingling in your arm, you're going to say something. But like, let's just try not to freak out. This is My Body Odyssey, a podcast about the rewards and challenges of active lifestyle. I'm Robert Pease. I'm Valerie Wences. And on that hike with her fiance, Jessica's symptoms did subside eventually. She didn't freak out. But this hiking episode is just one of several high-risk moments in Jessica's effort to return to normal life after receiving a diagnosis of thoracic outlet syndrome. Thoracic outlet syndrome, or TOS, is a rare but serious condition In Jessica's TOS, a vein in her upper chest becomes pinched between two bones, the clavicle and the first rib. That restricts blood flow, thus causing clotting and all kinds of problems, which was her fear on this hike. TOS may occur more frequently in hypermobile athletes like baseball pitchers or swimmers or possibly yogis, which we'll hear more about later in this episode. As mentioned, Jessica is a yoga instructor by profession. Her livelihood depends on being able to demonstrate movement. So you can understand her surprise and her deep concern when she was diagnosed with TOS. I was floored. And I was just like, what? Um, And I was like, well, what could have caused this? Today we'll do a little hips and low back flow and we'll start lying on our backs so you can get really comfortable. Let's back up to before Jessica's diagnosis, before she even realized anything was wrong. Together and open your knees out wide to the sides. At this point, Jessica's in her early 30s, extremely fit. She's teaching yoga classes throughout the day, demonstrating hundreds of poses, yet still makes time for her own yoga practice for 90 minutes every day. As with so many conditions, TOS snuck up on Jessica with only the most subtle warning signs. But at first, these warnings were not frequent or lasting and never serious enough to suggest an underlying condition. Since I'm a yoga teacher, I had noticed when I would do certain positions where I would hold my arm overhead for a prolonged period of time, like headstand or um, shoulder stand or any type of these inversions, that I would start to feel like my right arm would get very full and warm, um, almost like there was too much blood in it. 
The frequency and severity of these feelings began to increase, but only gradually. What happened is I was actually doing um, like a, an arm workout one day, and I noticed that after doing kind of some rapid punching motions and that arm workout that my whole right arm was like a lot redder than my left arm was. And it kind of subsided, but then the next night, it didn't go away, it came back. Jessica has two graduate degrees in anatomy and physiology. She helps yoga students with all kinds of medical issues, prehabbing and rehabbing injuries, improving breathing and movement patterns. Now, she's beginning to suspect she needs some help. She reaches out to her brother, who happens to be a doctor, for his advice. And so I texted my brother, and he was like, let your primary care doctor know. And he said, you know, go to urgent care, um, get it checked out. And so then they did an ultrasound, and I went into the waiting room, and the doctor came back, and he's like, you do have a blood clot. And I was like, floored. I like totally didn't believe it. And had you, I mean, you have studied an awful lot of anatomy and physiology, but had you heard of, of TOS? I had heard of it before, yes. Um, never in relation to what happened to me where um, I got a blood clot that resulted from it, which um, led them to discover it. Oftentimes, what I had heard is thoracic outlet syndrome was more of a neural response where when people would put their arm in certain positions, they would get an uncomfortable tingling sensation, which I actually never experienced. With any life-threatening diagnosis comes the immediate need for stabilization. For Jess, that meant taking blood thinners to avoid the potential for a blood clot that could travel to her heart or her lungs. There is a risk with blood thinners of increased bleeding. Um, since I am young and healthy, that risk is a lot less than if I were older. Um, but, you know, I, I'm going to avoid activities where I might get like a blunt force to the head, like riding a bike around in the city or going water skiing or something like that. But there was also the recommendation for a surgical consultation and a more permanent fix for the problem. He was like, yep, you've got thoracic outlet, so let's schedule you to have your first rib resected. And I said, is that my only option? And he's like, well, I mean, the, the rib and the collarbone are the source of the compression. And so if we take the rib out, the compression goes away. The compression goes away. Then again, so does the rib. And Jessica's philosophy from her anatomy studies and yoga practice is that the body is a whole unit, fully interconnected and finely balanced. And I was like, well, don't I have muscles that attach to that? Isn't that kind of important? He was like, yeah, but they'll be fine unless you need to take a really big, deep breath. I'm like, well, I'm a yoga teacher and I go on big hikes. So yes, that's important to me. <laughs> We wanted to understand a bit more about TOS and that surgical intervention, so we reached out to a respected thoracic surgeon, Dr. John Wee, of Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, I'm one of those kids that kind of always wanted to be a doctor. I'm one of those. Um, I, you know, currently uh, work at the Brigham in the Division of Thoracic Surgery. I'm responsible for, um, as a director of robotics here, there's a lot of um, intellectual stimulation, I guess, in terms of you know, doing things that are new and innovative and, and trying to kind of move the field forward. Um, can you tell us about thoracic outlet syndrome? This isn't something I think a lot of people know about. So um, could you kind of give us an overview and how common it is or isn't? Yeah, you know, thoracic outlet syndrome is an interesting phenomenon. Um, 
You know, thoracic outlet refers to the complex of structures that emanate from your neck down through your shoulder uh, and down to your arm. And so there's a, a three different structures that run through that space, uh, your artery, your vein, and your nerves. And as it progresses through your um, rib spaces, some of those structures can get compressed and have a variety of symptoms that result in pain or swelling or loss of function in the affected arm. Again, that space Dr. Rhea is talking about is located in the upper chest, just above the thoracic cavity, thus the name thoracic outlet syndrome. You know, things like people who use their arm a lot, like uh, baseball players and uh, sport played injuries, you know, uh, see those somewhat often in that setting. And in the past few years, the careers of at least two major league baseball pitchers have been curtailed by TOS, including the 2019 World Series MVP, Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg is not sure he'll ever pitch in the major leagues again. He had a rib and two neck muscles removed in a surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome, a condition that notably derailed Matt Harvey's career in the summer of 2021. Baseball pitchers do work extremely hard to create hypermobility in their throwing arm and shoulder. And this reminded us of a conversation we had with Jessica about her own hypermobility, partly innate, but also further developed from many years of yoga. And before Jessica was a yogi, she was a competitive swimmer. She swam Division I backstroke in college. Through all the years of intense training, she never had any symptoms in her shoulder. But doctors thought all that repetitive motion could have contributed to her problem. That was their thought, yes. Um, I also think that there was a, an instance um, that might have actually added a little bit of the, you know, kind of the final push, so to speak, where I was doing a handstand and I felt um, something in my outer right shoulder, kind of that outer rotator cuff armpit. It felt like something kind of slipped or maybe tore. It's interesting how so many of us, in hindsight, realize, wait a second, there were some warning signs, but they didn't strike us in the moment. I came out of it and I was fine. And because I am hypermobile, um, so my ligaments and joints are quite loose, so to speak, compared to the average person, I think my body was very efficient in figuring out a compensation pattern around that, which resulted in me kind of over-recruiting um, some of my chest muscles and like my upper traps, which further contributed um, to that kind of narrowing of that space. Isn't it kind of ironic that really well-conditioned athletes may develop a whole different type of problem, almost like being a victim of success? You achieve hypermobility, but that creates additional strain elsewhere in the body. TOS presents different levels of risk depending on the patient. And generally speaking, Dr. Wee, like many surgeons, he does feel surgery should be the last resort if time permits other approaches. I, th I think you should always try conservative management before you committing to surgery. You should try to see what you can do without uh, you know, changing your anatomy. But in cases like Jessica's, the clock could be ticking. That's because her constriction involves a vein and thus blood flow, which is why Dr. Wee emphasizes that putting off surgery to manage this form of TOS through physical therapy and medication, it does come with real risk. You know, I often think, though, that if you have you know, anatomic issues, if you have vascular issues that require anticoagulation, you know, I think you'd be better off ultimately having uh, surgery to relieve that compression so you're not, you don't have to be on lifelong anticoagulation. 
Jess didn't want to be on blood thinners forever. She also didn't want to jump into surgery. You could say she was experiencing some emotional constriction during these many months, as in what to do about her TOS. Fortunately, her own surgeon realized this was a special case with a unique patient. So with my thoracic surgeon, he was really great, actually. He was um, not your stereotypical surgeon that says surgery is the answer to everything. Um, He heard me out about, you know, I, I find that I'm very mobile and I kind of demonstrated a few things. And I said, you know, worst case scenario, what happens if I don't get surgery? Um, he said, well, you know, worst case scenario is that you clot again. He said, but given that you have this, you know, this education and this background and this awareness, I'm okay with you, um, you know, trying to figure things out. Two years pass. Two tough years of COVID and all that angst added to the stress Jess is feeling from TOS. And all this time, we're wondering, how's she doing? Had she been able to, in her words, figure things out? Had she had another issue, like her hiking episode, and possibly decided on surgery? And one way or another, was Jessica getting any closer to her normal life of hiking on the weekends and cycling around the city to yoga classes during the week? Yeah, so Jessica, I guess the general question is, are you behaving yourself and doing (laughs) what you set out as your plan? So, no. Um, (laughs) I definitely am using my bike to commute around. Um, But that being said, I am on a much lower dose of blood thinners now. And as regards to the lifting of the arms overhead, I've... um, definitely made some progress in how I'm able to kind of manage my shoulder and my movement, um, both from like an awareness perspective, as well as a biomechanical perspective of like how the tissues are moving. But it's important to note how much thoughtful work has gone into making that progress. I kind of started, you know, basically in from the name, like thoracic outlet syndrome means that this one area in my chest between my collarbone and my rib is very small and compressed. And so then I started, you know, thinking about that area and the muscles and the bones and I'm, what can I do muscularly to get the collarbone to lift off the rib? Just started working on her shoulder to stabilize the rotator cuff, but her knowledge and philosophy of anatomy leads her to see this as more than a local issue. I mean, I granted no two shoulders are built the same, but I could tell that something was, was off. Um, And so then my lens had to start to come a bit bigger and I was kind of looking at my ribs and my pelvis and how I was holding those. And I found a lot of um, kind of blind spots, I I guess I could call them, and how my glutes were firing or my abdominals were firing. And kind of gist of the story is that my pelvis and my ribs were kind of rotated um, and creating a little bit of a compression system in that right side. I know at one point you were trying to do yoga, I think you said 90 minutes every day, even before this challenge came along. So have you been devoting you know, that same amount of time to this problem? Uh, has it sort of replaced your yoga practice in a way? I think they've kind of become each other in a way. And so my yoga practice, as well as I'm do, doing a lot more strength training, is a lot more of like I guess the way you could say it's like suctioning the bones into the joints a bit more, finding that deep stability and trying to limit the range of motion I go into and finding strength and stability just in a, in a single range of motion. 
Ironically then, after years of developing an exceptional range of motion, Jessica's now working to rein in some of that mobility. And so I think, you know, for the people that are more on the bendy, flexible side, which are the people that tend to be drawn to yoga naturally, right? Because they feel like they can, you know, do yoga well because they can hit these big ranges of motion. Um, They're actually the people that probably like don't need so much yoga or they need to approach their yoga practice from a different lens of like stability, strength, not like that flexibility. And isn't that surprising, but also understandable? We often gravitate toward our natural strengths and not toward what we really need. As a result, our bodies do tend to get out of balance one way or the other. Um, And so I think it really comes down to like noticing what's happening in your body and like, you know, doing what's best for you, which sounds a little cliche, but but it's, it's really the gist of it. We wondered at this point in time, having made progress in mobility with stability and having reduced the blood thinners, what was she feeling about the surgical option? Um, given my background and my um, kind of, you know, yoga philosophy almost, I was definitely not keen on having that first rib removed. So I was diagnosed end of January and I was supposed to have the surgery in May of 2020, but then the pandemic hit. Um, and so it kind of, you know, in my mind, maybe I would have just gone ahead and done it because there is that very scary feeling of, a time bomb inside me. Is there a blood clot that's going to dislodge in my chest and go into my lungs and my heart? Um, But the pandemic kind of forced me to not have that. And in that extra time, I was able to kind of, you know, realize that this is my only option. Now I'm so grateful because surgery, no matter how, you know, advanced and minimally invasive it is, it still leaves scar tissue. And I, in my case, I was going to have a total rib removed. And so my scalene muscles wouldn't have anything to attach to. They would just be hanging out in there. But Dr. Wee, a surgeon who performs this procedure frequently, he has a different view. She really shouldn't have any concerns. Again, the only muscles that attach to the first river are the scalene muscles, which are muscles that attach down and up to the kind of, you know, neck, you know, lower skull area. But you have other muscles that take over that function quite easily. And it's, and they're very small muscles, you know, so you don't, you actually don't require every muscle you have in your body. You can lose quite a bit and the other muscles take over the function without you really realizing it. Which in a nutshell is more or less the historical tension between holistic or traditional Eastern medicine, which emphasizes interconnection and Western or modern medicine that focuses on the separate parts or systems of the body and their function. Not surprisingly, Jessica's brother also expressed the view that Jess should have her rib removed. Well, what about your brother, Jessica? Is he not a doctor? And what was his thinking about the surgery and, and your progress? Uh, yes, he is a surgeon as well. He's a urologist, so different area of the body. <laughs> um, his initial inclination, you know, kind of just, I think, out of um, maybe it's two-part. It's, you know, protection. Like he wants his sister to be okay and safe and take that risk away. Um, but part of it also is his MD training. He thinks, you said you should just get the surgery. Um, And we had a disagreement over it and, you know, agreed to disagree type thing. And I think that, you know, I might have shifted his perspective a little bit now and how after he's heard my story. And were there any, I don't know, periods where you weren't making progress or you're having more symptoms where you were in the least bit tempted to just take the easier path? I think in the back of my mind, the one thing that was like, well, if I clawed again, 
then I'll definitely get the surgery. Um, and if I do go off the, you know, blood thinners, seeing how that progresses, um, since I won't have that layer of protection anymore. That's Jessica, a yogi on a tightrope, but slowly moving forward on that journey, so far at least. Let's hope that progress continues. Special thanks to Jessica for sharing this really challenging body odyssey. We'll be checking back to see how things go as she tapers off blood thinners, continues self-guided therapy, but hopefully also heads to the nearest hospital if she develops symptoms on a hiking trip, especially on her way up the mountain. Next up on My Body Odyssey, another tough challenge in the form of multiple sclerosis, progressive autoimmune condition affecting the nervous system, nearly 2.5 million cases worldwide, 1 million in the U.S., including Josie, a former special ed teacher who refuses to take her MS sitting down unless it's on her customized tandem bike with her husband, Joe. What it allows, it's independent pedaling. So she can stop pedaling, I can keep pedaling. I can stop pedaling, she can keep pedaling. So it's, it's great. It's, um, it just really works out. I just want to tell people with MS or anything that they, if they can't do something because of something's holding them back, there is a way to get it done. That's next up on My Body Odyssey. We hope you'll join us for that episode and turn a friend or two onto the show. Also, if you or someone you know wants to share a story of staying active despite or because of a major health challenge, please let us know through our website, mybodyodyssey.com or via social media. Thanks for listening. From the whole team here at Fluent Knowledge, original music by Ryan Adair Rooney.